This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, Value Investors. Recently, there have been a few big stock announcements. I'm sure you've heard of some of these. The first is that the oldest remaining original component in the Dow, the Dow Industrials, that is, General Electric, it's being kicked out. So it's been in there since 1896. Off and on, it was kicked out originally for like a year or something. But it's basically been a steady eddy since then. So that's that's about to change. And then the second announcement is that Starbucks announced a, um, I guess you would call it like a downgrade in its same-store sales guidance for the second quarter. And then it talked about how some of its Chinese shops are being cannibalized. And it's raising its dividend 20%, basically to appease the shareholders while it gave them this other bad news. So like, oh, we'll give you this bad news and then we'll give you something to hold on to. And in full disclosure, I've been a Starbucks shareholder for many years, which brought me to this ultimate question of this podcast is how long should you own a stock? So all of these questions are swirling in my mind when we're talking about, you know, a Dow member that's been in there, um, I can't even, 122 years, I guess that is. And then Starbucks, which many people have also owned for a long time. Plus many value investors, we're, we tend to be buy and hold investors. I know I am in my own personal portfolio and it makes sense because we buy stocks that are usually down on their luck and then we wait for Wall Street to discover the company. And that could take several years. Um, we could take maybe even longer than that. So value investors tend to have a lot of patience. I mean, look at those energy stocks. They've been done on their luck for about three years now. So you've had, had a ton of patience with even just owning those. And Warren Buffett is perhaps the best example of the buy and hold value investor because he's owned some stocks for decades. And he's famously said the best time to sell a stock is never. But even Buffett would agree that never is a long time and businesses do change. We could ask Sears or Blockbuster Video or Enron or Wachovia or any of those big banks that are no longer with us. But getting back to GE and Starbucks, so these are owned by many of the buy and hold investors. And I know many value investors have been eyeing GE which remains near those multi-year lows. And I know some of you are thinking, and because I've covered it on this show, that possibly GE is a buy here. So I took another look at it, and it has a forward PE still cheap at 13.9. So it's, uh, it still has that value uh, PE ratio. It's paying that dividend still, even though it cut it once, and it's still yielding 3.6%, but um, that might not be safe here given their turnaround plan. But earnings, unfortunately, still on the decline for this year, still showing 9.5% decline. And while 2019 is currently showing 6.5% gain, those aren't set in stone either. And some of those estimates have been cut in the recent months for 2019 as well. So I'm not uh, totally betting on an earnings gain for next year quite yet. So still the earnings situation does not look good. Um, and it's unclear if this has completely bottomed. And I know there are many people who are still in GE who probably bought before the Great Recession. That was 10 years ago now. And I'm sure there's some who maybe have bought even 20 years ago or more. 
Uh, so this is a stock that many people have held a long time and probably are reluctant to sell it, um, thinking it'll turn around. And there is that question, how long should I own something? How long should I own one of these stocks? And taking a look at Starbucks, um, I just looked at what the shares have been doing. So they haven't been going anywhere in three years. And it's not super cheap. It's got a forward P of 23. So earnings are expected to be up 20% this year. But that's before they just announced these new uh, guidance cut, basically. Sales were supposed to be up 109 but that's probably going to be lowered now. This stock seems to be in a no man's land. It's not a growth or a value. And I saw the CEO on CNBC and Jim Cramer basically was asking the CEO this very question because some of those growth projections might have to be pulled back a bit. Um, Jim thinks they're just basically giving, giving all of us unrealistic growth projection given the maturity of the company, given that they have 28,000 stores worldwide now. You're just simply not going to double your store base from that 28,000. Like, just ask McDonald's. They're not doing it either. But there's other ways these restaurant chains can find value, either through um, a new product, um, and that's where they, they generate the growth as Starbucks did when, or I mean McDonald's did when it added in the coffee and all of those specialty drinks and also when it allowed breakfast to be sold all day long. So this is not a new issue with a lot of these restaurant chains, but as I said, a lot of investors are now paying a growth price, but they're not getting the growth. So um, that's always a bad situation for most stocks. It's neither growth nor value. So Starbucks went IPO in the early 1990s, um, even though it's been in business since 1971. So it's not nearly as old as a traded stock as GE, but there are definitely shareholders who've been very loyal to Starbucks over the years, and they've been owning it. Um, I know I've owned it you know, multi-years now, I want to say at least five, and other people have owned it 10 or possibly even 20 years and they're staying loyal. So again, how long should you own a stock? So I decided that a good way to go about it is to give you some criteria that you should consider when you are a long-term investor and things you should be looking at with all the stocks in your portfolio. So the first one is, has the company's fundamentals changed at all? Is it the, still the same business that you originally bought back, maybe way back in the day? So look at GE. It's clearly grown as a company. It's no longer its basic, um, you know, General Electric as the name implied. Even by 2008, it had become what I called basically a bank um, General Motors did the same thing. Its finance arm was so big, it was basically a bank by 2008. And um, you don't think of it as much as buying it just for, say, like the jet engines or some of its other components. And now GE is starting to divest itself of, of some of its different businesses. And so you have to ask yourself, if you are a long-term GE shareholder or considering becoming one, what does GE do? Do you even know what their businesses are now? Um, I, I ask that in all seriousness because I have a feeling a lot of investors probably don't even know. And so if you're going to own something for 10 or 20 years, you need to revisit and make sure that the business is still 
doing what you bought it for. Starbucks is on a little bit better plane in this regard because obviously it's still selling coffee. It now sells tea and food, but its main core business is basically the same. And I don't think anyone's confused about what Starbucks does as a business. So in that way, criteria number one is still being met by Starbucks. Number two would be, do you trust the current management? Um, Because management is going to change. It clearly has changed at GE over the years. And now even at Starbucks, we just got a change. Um, It did get a new CEO several years ago, but Howard Schultz um, was on the board and he was still a prominent face of the company. Now he's moving to the side. So you're getting basically a new management team Um, completely new at Starbucks as well. And that's something you should be paying attention to because any stock you own over the long term is going to have management changes. That's a given. The third criteria is, um, are there any hardships that are easy to turn around? So every company hits rough patches. Yes, even the FANG stocks will hit them. (laughs) They just will. And some, though, become more crises. So I'm thinking of JCPenney, That's been in a turnaround mode for several years now. And sometimes in some of these companies, the turnaround becomes a permanent turnaround. (laughs) Like There really is no turnaround. So you have to be mindful of that. Starbucks has gone through several rough patches and has managed to overcome them. That's what good companies do. They look around uh, for new ways of doing things and expand into new territory but some companies cannot. So that's also another criteria you need to keep watching. And then finally, you have to think of how this company fits into your long-term plan. What are your goals? And um, you know, you have to keep that in mind when you are investing as well. So there aren't many companies that make it to 100 years. And if they do, it's because they outlast all the other competitors. But there's no guarantee that that 100-year-old company will continue into the future. All we have to do is look at, again, Sears, That's a 100-year-old company. Uh, We know them very well here in Chicago because this is where they were headquartered, but they're fading away here. We no longer have the Sears Tower. It's now called the Willis Tower. And we no longer even have a Sears in in Chicago city limits, I believe. The last one is closing down. And I think they're going to turn the building, it's a historic building, into possibly condominiums and who knows what else. At least they're going to reuse the building. But that's a change that nobody thought would really happen, you know, if you ask someone 30 or 40 years ago. So these are all things you have to keep in mind. Also, just changes in industries. I met someone once who bought a paper company way back in the day in the 1970s because they had worked in the area and it was a dominant force in the area. I think it was up in Maine or New Hampshire, somewhere up there. And uh, that basically spiraled down and went, I'm not sure if it went BK, but it, it wasn't good. And this person admitted that they had owned the stock for like 20 years thinking it could turn around and won't we always need this paper and all that. But then phone books went away and catalogs aren't as plentiful and people no longer get newspapers every day and all these changes happened. And that investor did not keep up with the changes with that company. So this happens all the time. But uh, there's ways to, you know, still consider some names that you might want to own for a longer term portfolio. So I took a look at some of the other big cap stocks 
that have kind of, I've always um, read about people being long-term shareholders of these three. So let's take a look at them. Uh, the first one is Pfizer. PFE is the ticker. And the, the big drug companies have been really struggling in the recent years. So they've been kind of out of the spotlight. But for some of you long, older investors, you might remember that Pfizer and the other drug stocks from 1990 to 2000 were up huge. That was a big decade for the drug manufacturers. Pfizer was up over a thousand percent itself in that era, but Merck and Johnson and Johnson were also up 500, 600 percent, um, easily beating the S&P 500 during that very bullish market. The S&P was up like little over 300% during that same era. So there were a lot of drug millionaires from the 1990s. You don't really know when he talks about it now because you only hear about the dot-com boom, but a lot of people put basically their whole retirement portfolio in it and became millionaires. Some of that is Viagra from, from Pfizer in the 1990s. That's when that drug came out and it was huge. And, you know, sales guys are rolling in the millions too and all that was happening. But you can't say the same for some of the other companies, Merck, Johnson & Johnson, and um, even Biogen I saw was up over 2,000% during that decade. So these were on par with what the dot-coms were, were doing. But then, since then, it has not been good. Um, so these stocks got really expensive as everybody piled in, as we have seen happen in the past. And then the stock has gone nowhere. So from January 2000, so right after that decade, up through, I look through May 1st of this year, 2018, Pfizer is up just, okay, get this, just 0.09%, less than 0.1. That's not even 1%, less than 0.1. <laughs> Sorry to laugh. Sorry, all you long-term shareholders. That's like awful. The S&P was up 98% during that time and this included the the bear market and the big sell off of the great recession and all of that but you can see after the boom boom years it has not been good for long term shareholders but what does it look like now it's trading at just 12 times so it is very much a value stock here and earnings expected to grow 11.7% here in 2018, dividend yielding still 3.8%. It's not a value trap given those earnings growth. And it's supposed to grow in 2019 too. Pretty cheap. So could this be um, where you see a turnaround in these drug company shares? Possibly. But uh, it's something to keep an eye on. If you're a long-term shareholder, I don't. I bet most people have ejected out of there. I used to own Pfizer. I want to say... In the 2001 to 2005 area, because they were paying a dividend, they had some growth, and the shares had come down. But um, it, as you can see, it's been a real long haul of any kind of gains on Pfizer over that big time period. So um, got the big boom years, and now the investors have been paying with the bust years. Uh, let's take a look at another one, kind of similar, but not quite as bad. ExxonMobil, XOM is the ticker there. This now will become the oldest Dow component now that GE is out. It entered the index in 1928, so pretty long time period. Um, that is in oil, and I took a look to see what it's done since January 1st, 2000, the same time period as Pfizer through May 1st, 2018, and Exxon shares up 
in that time period. So almost the same as the S&P 500, which again was up 98 during that time. Uh, so that's not so bad. And even though, you know, I mean, obviously you want to beat the S&P 500, but if you were a long-term holder over that time period, you're basically running neck and neck with it. So um, much better than with Pfizer. And these shares are cheap now too. Forward P of just 16.9. That's a little higher than the 15 cutoff, but the energy stocks are weird and the, the earnings are on the move higher. So these stocks will get cheaper as we go along. Uh, dividend yield is still 4.1%. They never cut their dividend. Earnings expected to be up 33% this year. So no value trap here. Um, Exxon could be an addition you might want to think about if you're looking for a longer term play. And then the fifth stock is one of these ones that I always read about in books because it was one of the best performing stocks in the S&P. I think they're still in there. They might not be anymore, actually, um, or it's just one of the best performing stocks um, up through 2000. So this is Tootsie Roll. Ticker is TR. We don't have a Zach's rank for it. In fact, we have no data because no analysts cover it. So this is in Chicago, and obviously they make the Tootsie Roll, which is still in demand. It's still, you know, got the sales and all that going, and everybody knows that brand. But everybody calls this a secret company because it doesn't hold any investor conference calls. There's no contact with analysts. Nobody knows anything. They have really old management. Husband and wife ran it for about 50 years the husband died in 2015. I think the wife is still alive. They own 51%. They have four daughters. We don't know of any succession plan, but they claim they have one. Nothing's been announced. There's been a lot of consolidation in the food industry. Um, even just on the little, on the small side, the Frango mints, which are made here in Chicago, were bought out by Garrett's Popcorn, even something like that. And then we've seen, um, you know, Mars and Wrigley unite and a lot of these consolidation things happening. But Tootsie Roll is still a real small player. And I took a look at these shares, though, there and I used the same period. So January 2000 through May 1st, 2018, Tootsie Roll shares up just 48 percent because there's all this weirdness going on versus S&P 500 up 98 percent. Um, pays a little bit of dividend so that you you don't mind, but just 1.2%. And I'm not sure why anyone would still be in this one if you owned it all those years ago. This is one where, again, you have to look at those criteria I gave you and look at that management and really think about whether or not this is what you want to own. But definitely underperforming the S&P 500 now. So um, yeah, it's hard to be a long-term investor because you do have to pay attention to when businesses change or when management changes or doesn't change <laughs> this case may be in this case with Tootsie Roll. So just another reminder too for longer term holders that past performance is not an indicator of future performance as we found with those drug stocks, you know, really killed it along with the dot coms. Um, if you would have looked at Microsoft, same thing, killed it that decade from 1990 to 2000 and then went nowhere for, you know, maybe the next 15 years. This kind of mimics what happened after the nifty 50 era where the long-term holds um, was really hard to do with those high growth stocks. But now might be an opportunity for some of us. And if you're thinking about being a long-term investor, you should Again, routinely examine your stocks, ask why you own them, ask if anything's changed, 
And I'm sure you clicked on this podcast hoping I'd give you a definitive time, like, you know, only own three years, 20 days, three hours, and then sell it. Something like that. Because we all want you know, to have a direction about what we're doing with our investing. But like everything else with investing, there really is no definitive time period about how long you should own a stock. Um, again, Warren Buffett has owned some for decades now, and then others he has not. Like look at IBM. He recently jettisoned that after only just a couple of years because he said it wasn't doing what he thought it would do when he originally bought it. So these are things you also need to look at. And it's okay to own a stock for five years, 10 years, 20 years, as long as you don't put it on autopilot and then never pay attention to it. And then you might end up with something like Pfizer after 10 years looking at it going, oh, I haven't really made anything there. Um, you know, that's something to that you really have to focus on if you're a long-term investor. So let's recap some of the stocks on this week's episode. So we had GE, which is looking still like a value trap here, I'm afraid to say. I know many of you are eyeing it, but still looking value trappish to me. Um, I don't I don't know if those earnings have really bottomed yet here. So GE, ticker GE, Starbucks, SBUX, that's the one I own. Um, I've owned it for multiple years, but I am also re-examining all these uh, same issues right now. And it's not a value and not really a growth. So it's kind of in that no man's land. We had Pfizer, PFE, um, along with some of the other drug stocks. I should do a whole episode on these because Merck and Johnson Johnson, some of these other ones are also still cheap right now. And that's PFE, of course, and ExxonMobil, XOM. We're having a recovery in energy. So some of these are worth a look at, some of the big oils. And then Tootsie Roll is TR, but we have nothing about it. We have no coverage. Nobody has coverage. It's the mystery company. So might not, might want to consider whether or not you should own mystery companies. That's just a a little tidbit there. So be sure to subscribe to make sure you get all of our Value Investor podcasts. Uh, you can get us on SoundCloud, of course, but we're under the Zach's Market Edge over there. And we are also have a standalone show on Apple Podcasts, which is iTunes. And we are on Spotify with our own show. So you can get us in numerous places. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And I'll be back again next week with some more value stocks.